But even, even taking the form factor out of the equation, I'm talking just how the landscape is going to look and shape out over the next six months as a competition responds to this. The best that Android is going to be able to offer to compete at this price point is either a year old flagship at a discount, which is still a great way to go or a year and a half, whatever it might be, or a phone similar to what we expect the Pixel 4a to be that has diminished components. So the the facial unlocking is not there. The gesture and stuff is not there. Maybe people care or don't care about it. They can make that choice, but a less powerful processor. So when you compare the 765 to the Snapdragon 865, by all accounts, it's between 40 and 50% less powerful. And you may never notice that difference in most of what you do, but there might be times when you do. And when you compare the 865 to the 813, by all accounts, it's closer, but the 813 is more of a powerful chip. When you compare the 813 to the 765, it's a night and day experience. Yeah. And that's why I think Apple, what they did, Android does not have an answer for it right now. Welcome to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards. I am still quarantined at home, but uh, I'm also John Rettinger. You are both of those things. I just did what Adam Dowd did. I Shut up. Please continue. Yes, this man who's talking right now. (laughs) You know what, John? I've been saying this for weeks now. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it? I'll do it. Let me do it. Okay, please do. I'm going to do the introduction. Please do. So this man needs no introduction. By his voice alone, his silky smooth auditory tone... Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Michael Fisher. Well, we're off to a real smooth start, so I, I think it's all uphill from here. Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Now, for anyone out there, if they happen to exist, I don't know that this is the case. But if there's someone out there who does not know who Michael Fisher, a.k.a. Mr. Mobile is, would you please tell us who you are? And what you do. Absolutely. Your timing is great because my coffee just got stuck in my throat. So now I'm just going <laughs> to sound like I'm dying. I run a YouTube channel called uh, Mr. Mobile, which was built on the back of several years of reviewing mobile devices, which work was inspired by half the crew on this podcast. Andrew, I met you once I had already started. Mm-hmm. John, I had been watching uh, your stuff for years. So it never ceases to amaze me how worlds can collide. And I'm, I'm just so happy we all three get to be on the same team talking about cool stuff. So. Same. And we do this all the time whenever we get together anyway. So now we're actually just going to record what's usually just our regular conversations. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. I remember meeting you at the HTC 10 launch event in oh, New York City. Oh, man. Yes. People were like, oh, there's Michael. I think you had just left. Like you had just That's started correct. this. That's exactly and right. And I actually, I wasn't familiar with you. And everyone was like, how do you not know? What? What do you, t- how do you not know this man? You need to meet him <laughs> oh, no. right now. And they were absolutely right because you are one of the most knowledgeable and nicest people in this racket that we do. Generally good human being. I will take nicest. I I will take one of the nicest, but it always helps when the people around you are nice. So (laughs) I think it's really quite lovely that you guys have started this show, by the way. Can I ask you a question as the guest? Please, please do. How many episodes are we on right now? Are you guys, are we like three months in or am I way off? How many episodes? So this show started roughly, it's, it's a weekly show that's been going for about three years now. What? But However. Wait, not with you two though. Right. No, However, no. so this was a show that I did with Todd Bishop from GeekWire. Roger. And, okay. Yes. And then they basically were inundated with several projects at once and lost staff at the same time. So he had to step away. And I figured after doing the show for maybe six weeks by myself and realizing 
Doing a podcast by yourself is kind of boring. Oh, it's the worst too. Yes, it's I was so like, hard. I need to, I need to find someone. Number one, who I have a good rapport with. Number two, who knows the space and is a veteran. And bam, John. I emailed John, and he was I'm, like, the timing was perfect <laughs> because he was actually looking for something like this. He was about to start yeah. the search for something like this yeah. when I emailed him. So. Oh, I can't out. tell you how happy that makes me because I've perpetually been on that cusp since hosting my own podcast for years. And when I finally didn't have to do it anymore because that was a lot of work and I was starting a new thing, I was like, okay, good. This will be a nice break. I have wanted to restart a podcast for years. And I'm, I'm really glad that you guys are doing it. And I really enjoyed listening to last week's episode. Though I will warn everyone out there. These guys are bait and switchers. Don't trust them. <laughs> how They'll so? Say, Andrew, Andrew's like, don't, I'm like, is this a, is this a video thing or uh, do I, you know, do I have to look nice? He's like, no, 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 no. This is audio only. Well, that may be true for you, loyal listeners, but we have a video element to this. So true. we're all we, looking. We can see Michael's true. quarantine hair. Before we were yeah. recording, we had a quarantine hair off here, uh, which, which, which Andrew won. I won. Yes. <laughs> yes. As always. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, before we jump into the first topic, I want to make sure we tell people where they can find you. Oh, I love that. All over yeah, the place. Please. Let them know. Very simple. Uh, the Mr. Mobile on all the social channels, predominantly YouTube at T-H-E-M-R-M-O-B-I-L-E. That's where I live. There and is that also for TikTok and Pinterest? <laughs> oh, most definitely. <laughs> okay, good. No, uh, for my TikToks, I use a throwaway. Uh, you will never see those, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm, <laughs> oh, my dancing is just too good, you understand? I'm going to be on the search <laughs> for the rest of the weekend. Going to be on the hunt, yeah. All right. We need to follow up. First topic. We need to follow up on a tease that tease. John left us with on the last episode. And actually, the, the episode you were listening to, Michael, yes. was the episode before last because the last episode is likely going up today. Oh. On the last mm -hmm. episode, John teased that he was going to get a test, a test that would show if he had already contracted the novel coronavirus and if he Correct. was immune going forward yeah coronavirus so tell us about this whole process i wanted to share the story publicly and i shared it on on twitter as it was happening yesterday and, and instagram because i feel like it's something that's relatable to a lot of people right yes and yeah. the backstory here is obviously michael if you may or may not know is in new york and new york is really at the the heart of sort of the coronavirus pandemic in the u.s sure is unfortunately and, and california obviously on the other coasts has to lesser extent not been as as impacted from mortality rate as New York. And the prevailing theory is that California was exposed to coronavirus months and months and months before, right. and that there's been more of a herd immunity in the state, which is why the, the mortality rate is much lower. And back in February, when coronavirus has been mostly just a thing that was happening somewhere else, my oldest son, who's five years old, had a fever for five days mm. and was sick and then my youngest son developed a cough and my 10-month-old daughter had what we thought was croup, which is like a cough that sounds like a bark. Mm -hmm. And my wife got a bit of a post-nasal drip and I started getting headaches. And we didn't think much of it. We figured it was just, you know, flus that, that kids bring home. But sort of with the lens of what's going on right now, I wanted to know if perhaps that was coronavirus running through my house as the timeline sort of didn't right. make sense. And if it was, I have family members who live close that are considered high risk that I thought I could be more proactive in helping doesn't necessarily mean you're immune, it just means you're less likely to have it, and I think more importantly, less likely to transmit it. And beyond that, I could have donated plasma to help find a, a cure for us. So right. locally, there's a place that is doing testing for the antibodies, and no tests right now, at least publicly available ones, are FDA approved. So it's 
it's a newer method that has a, allegedly about an 80% success rate and accuracy rate. So I wanted to, I wanted to get tested. So they opened at nine. I waited in my car. Everybody waits in their car. It's a car line. I got there at 6.50 in the morning and Oof. sat in the car, and which has been the quietest two hours I've had in the past six weeks with three kids at home. So, so. the line was two hours long? <laughs> uh, well, there were only 11 cars in front of me when I got there. Okay. By the time nine o'clock rolled around, there were hundreds of cars lined up. Oh, wow. Roger. Okay. So it was unlike the test for just coronavirus. This isn't like a swab that actually has to go back to your brain. This is just a yeah. finger prick, a little bit of blood. And then they tell you where to park and they bring your results in 10 minutes. So a very easy process. So I, I did it. I registered online. I paid the $75. That goes along with the test. They pricked my finger. They drew some blood. And I came back negative for antibodies. And the blood test can also test if you currently have the, uh, the coronavirus. And I tested negative for that as well. So it was just a flu that went through my house. I was hoping that perhaps I'd already had it and had some superhero-like antibodies. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, these tests will be rolled out more nationwide. I think New York is the next location where there's going to be, be happening. I think it's probably important. So anybody, I think, who, who has the means and would like to get tested for your own peace of mind, but also to help be potentially part of a cure in donating plasma, I encourage anybody out there to do it and at least look into, look into these tests. It is good advice. I had a similar experience of getting sicker than I've ever been in my life in February and going to the hospital and getting pneumonia and stuff. And and that was just so brutal. And then um, I spent the past few weeks thinking the same along the same lines as you, John, like, oh, well, maybe I already had it. You know, let's I that would be nice. It would be nice to be immune. It'd be nice to be able to help out. But I wasn't able to get a test. We're not able to get those in New York unless we're showing symptoms, et cetera. But I did talk to a doctor friend of mine who was like, they would have been able to see from the pneumonia pattern. It, it's very distinctive and you probably didn't have it. And I'm like, oh, well, well, that's a bummer. I know that, that's, that's disappointing. <laughs> I, know, yeah. I, I was I went, I went through all that for nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, anyway, it's a weird time. for getting tested. Yeah. So I, I did want to share that story. It's more of a, not tech, but more of a human story. And when we filmed our last podcast, I was going to go the next day to get that test. Do you filmed, know filmed? They lie right to your face, everybody. Just, look at <laughs> right? Why'd you say filmed? <laughs> recorded. I'm just saying filmed. Recorded our podcast. <laughs> Do you know how long it would show up? Basically, if you had coronavirus four months ago, would you still have gotten a positive test, or does it like? Is there a point where it was too long? No. So they said if you've been, if you were sick for at least three to four days, your body should still have the antibodies. Now okay. it's an imperfect test right now, so there's obviously the obligatory grains of salt you take this with. They said the antibodies would still be shown and more than likely because antibodies probably still be active in fighting off, you know, if you still had the virus or yeah. you had been exposed to it, they would more than likely still be active. Okay. Fair enough. Let's move on to, um, it's a segue. It's a segue. We're talking about coronavirus, talking about being quarantined. A question I saw come through on Twitter asked us, how are we using tech to get through what we're doing currently? So not to get through if you have coronavirus, but Self-isolation, self-quarantine, being separated from people, going stir-crazy, cabin fever, all of that. What tech have you guys been using to kind of get through all of this that we can kind of recommend to the listeners out there? As you guys know, I haven't hit home tech really at all. Like I I focus so hard on mobile that home tech really stays well outside my normal range of coverage. But right before all this came apart, like in November is when I moved to Brooklyn and I had a, for the first time in my life, a newish apartment that was not 150 years old and in Boston (laughs) or Virginia that I could furnish. 
And for the first time in my life also, I could afford to like not buy the absolute utter cheapest thing. And the principal thing, the thing that serves us every day and every night in my place, it's not an imaginative reply, but I do love it, is my Samsung The Frame. I have the 65-inch one from last year, and it is such a pleasure not just to watch stuff on, but it serves as this wonderful art piece in the backdrop of all the videos that I'm now forced to shoot at home. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can make the painting change. And more importantly, when your roommate works for a competitor, as my roommate David ML does for Android Authority, <laughs> uh, I, and you have to shoot in the same room, at the very least, you can't change your furniture, but you can change your art on the wall really easily. <laughs> so that's that's a pretty cool thing. And it's an unexpected benefit of this kind of splurge that I allowed myself right before everything went to hell. Yes. And so for people who don't know, you're talking about Samsung's The Frame, which is a TV that, yeah, sorry, looks, made that like, it looks like a piece of art. So it looks like a framed piece of art that also serves as a smart television set. Correct. Right. So I assume there's some sort of subscription associated with getting the art. Absolutely. Yeah. What's nice is that, well, first of all, yeah, let's throw that stone that needs throwing how dare you, Samsung? Uh, you're, you're, you're essentially paying an $800 or $1,200 premium, depending on which size you get, just for the TV. And then you don't get the frame. I don't think a frame comes in the box. There's literally, folks, a wooden frame around it. And you have to buy that separately. I think that's like oh, $200. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, because it clicks on with magnets and you can change the frame if you buy new ones. But like, they nickel and dime you at everything. And then... You only get like 10 pieces of art for free or 20. If you want to have the full range of art because you have a custom catalog for that, mm -hmm. and there's a technical reason for that, but you have to pay like five bucks a month or something just to keep the art on your wall. Is that all controlled in, controlled in app? It is controlled, yeah, via the, the same remote used to control everything else. It's got a nice little simple interface. You just scroll through the art catalog. You can arrange by artist. You can arrange by contemporary or classic, all that kind of stuff. Is the TV itself, is it OLED? It's not as, it's a uh, no. QLED. Oh, QLED, excuse me, of course, Samsung. Yeah. Very strong behind QLED. But that's nice. Now, work out something for me, guys, because I haven't done the BS check on this yet. I was too, I was too bamboozled at the store and too in love, <laughs> that, and I was going to buy it no matter what they said. But I heard from someone that QLED doesn't have the burn-in problems OLED does. Is that true or false? That is absolutely correct. Hey, hooray. Yes. Cool. Because yes. my last TV had terrible burn-in, so I, I was trying to avoid that. And of course, with the art mode, you worry about that, right? Is there going to be a Monet across my Star right. Trek? For... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're not going to, you should not experience anything like that, thankfully. Lovely. So, okay. Can you put custom art on there? Can you only choose from their catalog or can you add your own photos or Whatever. As far as I've been able to determine so far, there's no way to do custom uploads. Now, I would love to be wrong about that. And if somebody were to, whether it's legit or a hack or not, I would love to know mm -hmm. about it if someone out there knows how to do it. And sadly, the art catalog, while it's vast, is not comprehensive. So there's there are some pieces that I would like from some sure. uh, famous artists that, that are not there. But you know what? It's a lot of art and it looks great. Folks, it's not like your TV it's not like if you just have a Chromecast and you say, all right, I'm going to stream this static image to my TV. You can do that, of course. But yeah. with the frame, there's a custom mode that reduces the backlight level to almost nothing. And yet the art is as visible as paper would be on the wall. So it's not this black hole on your wall anymore. It's right. It looks like a painting. And it's really quite a beautiful trick. I'm immensely interested in the frame. I think this is a year that I'm going to get a new TV. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm very eager to test and, and try what is out there. So I think it's time for something new and a Michael Fisher recommendation uh, carries a lot of weight. You are getting a full recommendation. So let me also tell you just real quick, 
Another benefit to it is that you have a single tiny cable going up to it, which is really great because all the guts live in a box that you can hide in an entertainment One center. One box. Right. And the downside is it has this problem that I think a lot of Samsung TVs have where you get the network cable disconnected error message out of nowhere. I get that it. all the time. Okay. So uh, I mm-hmm. thought that was just me. No, I did not realize. You. Wow. Yeah. That, that is annoying. I, it is annoying. For me, it's like three or four times a week. So I can deal with that. It's fine. You just have to press a button to clear it. But Shouldn't be happening on a TV that expensive, for sure. Or you can just use Wi-Fi, but still. Yeah. No, the dialogue just pops up regardless of what I – I'm not even doing anything. It just pops up. Annoying. Yeah. Now, John, before you buy – and I am not trying to – I'm open. I am brand agnostic when it comes to TVs. I currently have a Sony. I love Samsung technology. Their QLED is amazing. I think LG's OLED technology is amazing. I think what TCL is doing is amazing. So I I am open in the TV world for something new. Okay, so Michael Fisher's endorsement is great. Different price point. Now I'm going to a different price point here. Yeah. The Samsung Q950TS, which just came out. Yeah. It's actually pretty hard to find. It'll be out more widely over the next couple of weeks. It's their new 8K with no bezel. Ooh. And it, it is nice. And it my is caveat, QLED. I'm looking for a 75 inch. 75 inch or bigger. So this comes in 75. No, this goes in. Oh, the frame, I think the frame tops out at 75. Okay. But this one tops out at 88. Woo. But it's 8K, <laughs> 88 inches, or you can go with a 75 inch. But I have never, like, anytime you hear the word upscaling, it kind of makes you, like, have a bad taste in your mouth, like, upscaling, terrible. Yeah. This is the complete opposite. It will take 1080p, 480p, 720p. It'll make it look fantastic. Even streaming content? I mean, so if I if yes. I do YouTube TV is, is what I use for television. It'll still upscale that. As do I. It's fantastic. The brightness levels wow. are insane. What's the price on this? So if you're going for the 88-inch version, that is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be roughly $10,000. But, yeah. but, but, but yeah. if you go to the 75-inch version, it's going to be down to like $5,000. You go 75-inch. And even better, though, you can get Samsung Friends and Family. Just reach out to your friendly PR agent. <laughs> you will get a nice discount. That's fair. So we'll, we'll talk after. I may uh, yes. may get a new TV, TV up on my wall. <laughs> For me, I found also interesting answer, Michael, that when we were talking about like tech that we have that's kind of getting us through this, mm-hmm. you, <laughs> your answer was it's a TV that I can put static art on the wall, and that's really helping me out here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> My he didn't mention simple. anything that he's like streaming. It's just, just the static art. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I never turn it on. I, I should have just bought a painting. Now, for me, this guy right here. This is oh. a Nintendo Switch Lite. In the right color, too. In the yellow, because it has to be. <laughs> and that with a combination of Animal Crossing which I did not actually interesting that Michael Fisher's on this show because I bought the game because of him. What? what you do you sent mean? out a tweet. You sent out a tweet that said <laughs> something to the effect of fine. I'm going to pick it up because everyone has been telling me to. That's true. And over the, you know, the couple of days prior to that tweet, I had been getting the same type of, are you going to get this? Are you going to get, and I was like, mm, I don't think so. And then he did it. And I was like, you know what? I'm doing it too. Cause oh. as soon as he's sent the tweet out, FOMO set in. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I immediately was like, okay, I'm downloading this too. And Have you been what's been incredible, it? I love the game mostly because I cannot name another game where 
so many of my friends are playing the same game at the same time. Absolutely. And that's what got me in on it as well. I was pushed into it by other people. I couldn't believe it. Like everyone was committing to download this game three weeks before it launched even. And I was like, what are you guys even talking about? I had never. Yeah. I'm so glad you came on board. But as I recall, now that I'm remembering, I was immediately saddened. Because as cool as the game is, I thought we would all be able to hang out with each other. But if we, it, I, and I forgot how bad Nintendo is at online multiplayer. Anything. The worst. <laughs> now I, I do hang out with people, but it is very annoying the way that they've implemented online and how it kind of disrupts everyone's session when one person wants to join in. Unlike yeah. any other game in existence, you just pop in and pop out, no problems. John, I know you picked up a Switch Lite lately. Yeah, so my kids have been not only stuck at home, obviously, but they've also been on spring break. So we've had significantly mm. less academics mm. happening in my house the past couple of weeks. So they've been monopolizing our Switch connected to the TV with a lot of Mario. So I actually picked up a Switch Lite myself in the appropriate color in yellow. There you go. To, <laughs> oh, nice. to have. And I've been enjoying Super Mario Odyssey, actually. I haven't. I never played it when it came out. Oh, yeah. Um, Fantastic. Great. So game. it's a brand new game to me. Like a brand. It's brand new. So, and everybody's on Animal Crossing, but like I'm throwing my hats at stuff and turning into all kinds of cool things. And uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't be any happier. Uh, and then the other device that's been keeping me company is my, my sweet baby that I love more than any other thing I've ever tested oh, in the world. And that is my Galaxy Fold, which I will talk about until I am blue in the face. It has ruined every other phone for me. I used to get so excited to test new phones. Now I'm like, oh, I got to take my SIM card out of the fold and use these phones that are narrow. You. It's been, so that's been keeping me extra company because it's like always having a tablet with me. And I'm not leaving anywhere. So I'm not worried about dropping it anymore. <laughs> Even better. Do you ever agree with somebody so hard that you can't get a single word out? You're just flummoxed by how much you agree on every like, point. You and I, I think have evangelized for the fold, which coincidentally, it's been almost a year totally. to the week that we were in New York. Yes. Seeing the fold because it for popped up in my timeline and I got nostalgic for the yes. first time I saw it. Yes, I will always remember that launch bar. I was so excited. I rearranged vacation time to cover that <laughs> phone. We can talk, we'll talk for length, but when, when Andrew asked yeah. what topics were, I'm like, fold. Like, let's talk yeah. the fold. <laughs> right. Thank you. For I doing think that. I spend more time than is healthy throughout the day thinking about the fold, too. <laughs> Like more time than a human being should think about it because I love it so much and all of its weirdness and quirkiness and expensiveness. And it's still not a device for most people. Oh, absolutely not. Can I, you ever, uh, you take phone calls on it, right? Where you hold it up to your ear, right? Yeah. You ever look at yourself in the mirror when you're talking on the phone? Just kind (laughs) of give yourself a little wink of approval. I (laughs) really, yeah. Same. Yep. I mean, (laughs) I mean, people can't see it, but I'm holding it in my hand. Like this is the future. And what it represents is amazing. And like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's got a ton of problems and it's expensive and that kind of stuff. But to get to that awesome fourth and fifth gen product that's for everybody, you got to get through these bumps. And I'm excited to be part of that process of going through it and sort of seeing it improve. Absolutely took the words out of my mouth. In fact, Andrew, you said a couple weeks ago that no one had quite put their thumb on or finger on with the key differences between it and something like the Z Flip or the Razer. And it really is like whether you want a foldable tablet or whether you want a foldable phone. And I was I was in my kitchen eating tuna fish on crackers. And and I said out loud to no one, no, Andrew, you need to watch my video, Andrew. I said that. (laughs) (laughs) That is perfect quarantine food, by the way. Oh, yeah. Tuna fish. You can do anything with it. Yes. Great. On crackers in particular, though. If you're quarantined, oh, it's very good. Before we go to the next, oh, for staying healthy, I have been using a Peloton bike oh. in my house. Like, 
it's weird because the only reason that I enjoy working out on the Peloton bike is because it's like a giant piece of tech. It's almost like my Tesla. I never cared about cars. Mm. I don't care about cars. Mm -hmm. I don't know what pound feet of torque means. I don't know. I don't know any of this stuff. (laughs) But when your car becomes a giant gadget, it's like, okay, now I'm in. This is is fantastic. And it's like, that's what this exercise bike is. It's a giant gadget. And it has the display and you're connected. And I can see like I'm riding. It's like, oh, Kevin Neither did this ride yesterday. And here's what his numbers look like. Okay, well, I'm going to try to beat that now so that he gets a notification that I beat him gamifying and adding tech to common everyday products like this Mm. make them way more fun to use especially when you're just cooped up in the house could not agree more i wish i had one myself but that's a great a great call i got an old to go behind me that i've been trying to get my uh slowly getting larger butt onto a couple (laughs) couple times a week you said that a couple weeks ago did you actually make it onto it though yeah i've been trying to get on it at least three times a week Okay. Listen to that phrasing. Listen to that phrasing. I've been trying to get on it. I've been trying. True. What everybody missed was Michael Fisher's head nod when he said trying to get on it. I'm trying uh, to get on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm swooning over here. <laughs> okay, let's move on to some of the right. biggest smartphone news of the week. This is right in Michael Fisher's uh, wheelhouse, if you will. A word that oh, I yeah. hate and have never used before until right then and will never <laughs> use again. We had the official announcement of the OnePlus 8 and 8 Pro, as well as the official announcement of the iPhone SE. We did talk about this a little bit on the last show, especially John's in-depth thoughts. But since we have Michael Fisher here, one of the experts, I want to talk to you about these. Number one, let's go through the OnePlus announcements. seems like this year, they're less of the flagship killer and more of the... We have taken several years to arrive, and now we are on par with our contemporaries. And if, if I can just throw out there to anybody, uh, Michael Fisher, showing his dedication to his craft, is one of the few that has a review of both the 8 and the 8 Pro <laughs> live, whereas I was only able to get a versus up. So uh, he's <laughs> the man that has, has spent a lot of time with both. Copious. Well, I wish the time, you know, I think I wish this on all of our behalf, right? I wish we were able to review these in circumstances which they deserve. I don't mean the OnePlus phones, but all smartphones because it's so tough, right? It makes, when you're stuck in your house, it it makes it a lot more challenging, right? So there are a few things that I sure wish I could have done a little bit better. But I tell you what, 50%, Andrew, I completely agree with you. I think one of these phones has really served as the signpost of OnePlus's arrival at what I think I called in my video, the big kids table, right? Mm -hmm. They were like, we don't want to focus on value with this one. We just want to make the best phone we can. They did it with the Pro. I think the Pro is a really solid offering, especially as it comes in under Samsung. Joe Hindi from Android Authority on Twitter and I had a great debate on this. He pointed out that the more proper comparison is the LG V60. Certainly, there are other phones around that same price point. But I really think when you're talking to normal people, as OnePlus wants to do, OnePlus wants to get that mainstream audience. Yes. You tell anybody, you can get a phone that's $100 cheaper starting from the Samsung manufacturer price, and you get what? Oh, well, much the same thing. And some things are even a little better. A couple things are worse. Wow. That's a deal you can't ignore. So I think the pro is just, it's a tough pill to swallow for the long-term loyalists. But for normal people, the mainstream that OnePlus is now going after, Mm -hmm. man, that's a good deal. Whereas the OnePlus 8 is just not a good phone. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's interesting because John Rettinger on the last show, he said the OnePlus 8 standard non-pro for the average person out there Mm -hmm. is a fantastic phone. I want, so to I, want to, I want to chime in, actually, on this. And I, I have not yet done my review on, on the OnePlus 8. 
But I feel that OnePlus, and the more I've thought about it and used the phone, I think OnePlus hit a home run with the Pro. If I had to pick one, the Pro is what I'm getting. I'm, I'm a big wireless charging guy, and their they're, they're, they're 30-watt wireless charging is like life-changing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then I put my fold on the charger, and it's like two and a half hours to get 40%. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Which I get is the most first-world problem in the world. I think OnePlus missed the mark, though, with the OnePlus 8. The Snapdragon 765 was made for a phone like this. Mm-hmm. You still get 5G. You would still get maybe 40% less performance, but it would have brought the price down significantly. And when you look at maybe the direction that the Pixel 5 might be heading using that 765 chipset, I think OnePlus missed an opportunity to appease the never settle crowd while also giving some headroom and a better understanding to the price tag on the Pro. I think would have made would have made a lot of sense. I think the only reason there's an 865 in the 8 is just for bragging rights. I don't think there's any other reason to pay the price for that and to have it in the 8. I indulged in a little speculation on a podcast I was on yesterday where I said, that, well, how do we feel about the rumors of the OnePlus Z coming in a couple of months at a more affordable price point? They seem reliable. It seems like this device exists. It seems like it's something that's coming. Right? Yeah. It seems to me that OnePlus, if they are going to launch it in spring or summer, it seems to me that that maybe reflects an unintentional delay. Because if I were them, I would have dropped the one Z right alongside these suckers because sure. yeah. you run a real risk of doing what they did, which was alienating, I think, a large part of the, of at least the most vocal part of the fan base with the OnePlus 8, which as long as the OnePlus 7T exists, you shouldn't buy the OnePlus 8 unless you get a great mm. carrier deal on it, right? So I feel like the Z was either delayed or that was just a rather short-sighted move on their part. But otherwise, Sean, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that, like the 765 was made for a phone like this. Like, that's why it exists. Yeah. Not to mention, they wouldn't have had to pay for the X55 modem on top of that. It's got integrated, and we're getting a little nerdy. It's integrated 5G. I mean, so I even forgot about that. Like, that component cost alone would have dropped the price of that phone by a minimum 150, 200 bucks. Completely. And the thing is, though, I understand why they did it, because we have to say the OnePlus 8 is the only one that is being sold in carrier stores, which if you're going to sell phones in America, Mm. you need to have phones in carrier shelves. And having a OnePlus device on not just T-Mobile now, but now Verizon, I mean, that's a great move. People who walk into Verizon stores, they're paying a $100 premium for millimeter wave 5G, which... To me, I don't know. It's like it's like going into a Carvel and and paying extra to get sardine oil on your on your ice cream. Uh, but you know, you're still getting a OnePlus phone on Verizon from your carrier, and that's great. Yeah, that's a fair point. Millimeter wave discussion is is a long is well, maybe it's a short mm-hmm. one. Um, <laughs> if, if, you, if you stand out on the sidewalk and you don't move anywhere, then it's totally worth the money. But don't if you tend either. to if, yeah, if you tend to ever move or have anybody walking in front of you, it's probably better <laughs> probably Actually, better off. You know, I bet millimeter wave is working great right now. There's nobody on the streets. That's There's true. no leaves on the trees yet. This is this is the perfect use case for a millimeter <laughs> wave. Damn. Makes sense. And it's a tough position I think OnePlus has put themselves in. And I asked them on the sort of the pre-brief calls. I'm like, why the eight pro, you know, at this price point? Like why mm-hmm. why the change now? And their answer was pretty telling. They said, we wanted a phone that shows that we can compete with anybody in the industry. And I get mm-hmm. that. It's their, it's their halo car, right? It gets people into the dealership. Totally. But the one they're trying to sell then, evidently, the 8, it's a harder proposition to swallow, I Completely. think. So I think you're right with the Z. I think it's signifying some sort of delay. But if they had released all three, the Z, the 8, and the Pro, the 8 would have clearly been the odd man out, right? It would yeah. be the iPad Air of the lineup. Like, why would that even... Why would that even be a thing that that would be out? Well, that would have thrown it into even sharper relief as this kind of what I will call a concession device that they built for the carriers 
because they needed to needed to get that shelf space, they needed to get that mind share, yeah. and needed to you know appease them and get five G printed on yet another device. You know, I don't know. I think that. I will also walk back my thing on the Z a little bit because honestly, guys, who wants to compete at that three ninety nine price level right now? Who wants to be right. there right now? I wouldn't. I don't yeah. want to be anywhere near that. No, I mean, and obviously referencing the iPhone SE mm-hmm. and Pixel Four A. Yeah, I think the Pixel Four A is almost going to be DOA at this point. Yes, now, hold, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Okay, okay. because we'll we are going it. to take a break, and we're <laughs> going to talk about. We're going to switch over to the iPhone SE. Pixel 4a and that $400 price point coming up next on Geared Up. Welcome back to Geared Up, brought to you by National Car Rental. I'm Andrew Edwards, and it is now time for the National Car Rental Story of the Week. As you know, Geared Up is sponsored by National Car Rental. And if you don't know, I also do a show with National Car Rental on YouTube called technically speaking, where I bring you the latest, my picks for the best tech for business travel, whether you're business traveling or even whether you're going for leisure travel, there's a lot of tech out there that can make your travel more efficient or even more fun. You can check these episodes out at the nationalcar.com control center or go to youtube.com slash national car rent. The latest tech puts you in the driver's seat. National Car Rentals Emerald Club will keep you there. And once again, big shout out to National Car Rental for sponsoring Geared Up. All right, let's get into the National Car Rental story of the week. The $400 price point, the budget phone price point, at least here in America, has just gotten shaken up. Apple announced the iPhone SE, which is basically essentially the greatest hits of the iPhone 11 in the best selling smartphone form factor of all time in the iPhone 8 body. With a iPhone 8 hybrid iPhone XR camera for $400, nothing else at this price point that I see, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, comes close performance-wise to what Apple's offering, nor size-wise as well. If people, if people want that smaller size, there's nothing else you can get that's this size and this powerful. What do you think this does to the landscape of smartphones going forward for the next couple of years? Its effect on the landscape is the kernel of my excitement with it. I don't carry an iPhone on the daily. It's just not my personal preference. So I don't get jazzed about iPhone releases very often. But I am excited about this because of when you are as heavy a player as Apple is, and everyone, I think a lot of our Android fans know that the global split is around 80-20 in favor of Android. But here in the States, it's much closer to 50-50. The iPhone just, just dominates in North America. And when you have a player as big as Apple who is selling phones from $7.99 to $12.99 or whatever it is, and says, hey, for the first time in four years, we're going to drop a phone for 400 bucks." The shockwaves that sends through everything and your reasonable assumption that that phone is going to be good, because it probably is, because mm-hmm. I don't remember the last time Apple made a not very good phone. It's just such an exciting moment that I, you can't help but get caught up in the pizzazz, as it were. I don't know. John, what, what's your... like? Check me on that. I get excited for, I think, as Apple tends to go, the industry tends to follow. And the price point is amazing. And the reason I think that it's such a blow to the Android world. So hear me out here. So the phone is using the A13 Bionic. Yes. A processor that by any accounts is extremely capable, if not the most powerful mobile processor on the planet. Yes. I mean, same processor that's in the iPhone 11 Pro Max. I mean, just a very capable processor. Apple, you know, tends to make it. If you're an Android manufacturer 
and you want to release a new phone that can compete at a $399 price point, you're not making your own process with the exception of maybe Samsung, at least for North America. Right. You have to put in a Snapdragon 765 or lower to even have right. a chance to get to that price point. And size. You're not going to put an 865 into a 4.7 inch form factor. Yeah. But even, even taking the form factor out of the equation, I'm talking just how the landscape is going to look and shape out over the next six months as a competition responds to this. The best that Android is going to be able to offer to compete at this price point is either a year old flagship at a discount, which is still a great way to go or a year and a half, whatever it might be, or a phone similar to what we expect the Pixel 4a to be that has diminished components. So the the facial unlocking is not there. The gesture and stuff is not there. Many people care, don't care about it. They can make that choice but a less powerful processor. So when you compare the 765 to the Snapdragon 865, by all accounts, it's between 40 and 50% less powerful. And you may never notice that difference in most of what you do, but there might be times when you do. And when you compare the 865 to the 813, by all accounts, it's closer, but the 813 is more of a powerful chip. When you compare the 813 to the 765, it's a night and day experience. Yeah. And that's why I think Apple, what they did Android does not have an answer for it right now. There's no way that Android can answer for people who want a similar experience and maybe prefer what Android can offer. And I think that's why the SE is such an interesting phone. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope that there's a Qualcomm answer out there that can sort of fill this gap. But I don't know how it's going to be for a manufacturer. It has to rely on Qualcomm for a processor, for Samsung for a screen, for whomever for RAM. Right. I don't know how they can answer without being vertically integrated. I also think it's interesting, the value for dollar, not just talking about the power and the features that you just mentioned, but I really pay attention to how long a smartphone can last. Because if you're buying, let's just say a Pro Max, it's my assumption here. My assumption mm-hmm. is you're more likely to buy the 12 Pro when it comes out. You're likely to do be on a one or two year cycle. Sure. If you're buying those more expensive phones, because it seems to me, despite the expense, you're buying those phones because you have an excitement for them. The iPhone yeah. SE buyer, in my opinion, is someone who's going to buy a phone and wants to hold on to it for a while. Three, four, maybe five years. And Apple has shown when they release a new A-series chip on an annual basis, they seem to support that chip with software updates for five years. So you buy an iPhone SE today, went on sale today, pre-order today, you can likely expect, if they keep the naming scheme going, that you'll be able to run iOS 18 on this phone five years <laughs> from now, which yeah. that's another thing that I don't know that Android can touch. I think the is the longest guarantee right now a guarantee of either two or three years? With the Pixel. On Pixel. So is it two uh, years yeah, or three, three years? Three years. It's three, three years. years of platform updates, right? Or two years of platform updates and three of security or something like that? Or I, believe, it- I believe it's two of platform, three of security. Okay. okay. So two years for the major updates with a similarly priced Android device. If you go with the 4A low-end model, you go for a higher-end model, you may not even get that. You may not even get the two years. Right. So yeah. the value for dollar in this phone just seems incredible. 
And there's other stuff. If you look at, we, we don't know the final specs on the 4A yet, or at least I yes, don't. Correct. But if you look yeah. at what Google was able to do with the 3A, what features they had to cull to hit the price point they wanted, which was $399 at launch, that phone didn't have wireless charging. It didn't have any dust or water resistance certification. The iPhone SE 2020 will have both. Right. And everyone, of course, always talks about the Apple ecosystem. And what I, my mind always goes to is, yeah, it works really well with your computer. If you have a MacBook, you can do... What's the thing I use all the time but forget the name of? Airdrop. It's not called Airdrop. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You guys that are teaching me how to use FaceTime, I'm just an imposter. Yeah, Airdrop. But but it's more than that. It's about the fact that if it breaks, you can go to an Apple store. There's a massive retail presence with a large repairability. Like the value arguments just never end with Apple. And again, it makes this thing at $399 just this, this utter nuclear device. Unless it really screws up somehow or unless the camera is a total disaster area. But I don't see that happening with what Apple's learned from the iPhone 11 series, its best cameras yet. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because also, so we have the iPhone XR still in the lineup. More expensive phone by $200. However, it runs the A12. Therefore, and it also has a single lens. Therefore, the camera on the SE with the A13 is actually more capable And the only thing you're paying for, $200, you're paying for basically a year older specs, but you're getting OLED instead of LCD and you're getting a larger size. I don't see much value. Right. You're getting face ID instead of touch ID. But I don't see much value in the 10R when you put these side by side. Yeah. Right. Unless you're talking about aesthetics. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, Michael, let me ask you, what's the Android response? What's the Samsung response to the SE? That's crazy because, I mean, I feel Samsung just dropped like five mid-range phones at once last week, yeah. right? And I think I read that press release and then I, by the time I had gotten to the second email after that press release, I forgot about all of them. Like they're not, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's not it's not that Samsung is unique in this regard. Every Android manufacturer that's putting out stuff in the mid-range at this price point, poor Motorola. Motorola got steamrolled with the yeah. Moto G Power and Moto G Stylus. Those things... In order to recommend them at all, I had to say, get them from a carrier so you can get them for 149 because they're 249 299 No, don't do that. Get a Pixel 3a. Like, it's only, really, it's only Google. And who else is hanging out at anywhere near here that's worth mentioning? And maybe I the OnePlus Z. You know, I, I, that's another reason stacked on top of all the upgrade stuff that, Andrew, you just mentioned and, yeah. and the long-term support and the performance stuff that you just said, John. Like, it's... It, this is why I say I wouldn't want to be hanging out in that space at all right now as never. a manufacturer. What I would love to see, and I know it would never happen and it would, would probably be a huge money suck, but I would love to see it just for a pure competition standpoint. Maybe controversial answer. I would love to see a Qualcomm branded phone. Again. Again. You mm. want to come back to 1999, do you? <laughs> I think they're the only ones who could be closer to vertically integrated, right? The screen technology is not that crazy. They've done screen technologies in the past. Mm-hmm. The processors where a lot of the cost in the R&D goes. They're very I familiar think they with cameras. The only, they can yeah. partner with a, with a camera company. They could Absolutely. Yeah. I think they're the only ones who could answer unless Samsung does something with Exynos and that becomes more of a North American chipset. I don't know who else can compete on the, on the, on the vertically integrated phone. And it's a weird thing to even bring up, like a Qualcomm branded phone again, right? <laughs> yeah, it sure is. Especially when you think of Qualcomm's corporate culture, right? I mean, we're all... I think lucky enough to go see, hang out with Qualcomm for four days in Maui every every yeah. year. And they have excessive engineering talent. They have unbelievable patent holdings. They have a great legacy as a company, but they don't have a culture of the the kind of, I think, 
con- not confidence, but it's more than that. It's like um, brazen audacity to do that. You know, it's no, I, oh, I've absolutely. never even thought of that. I never even considered that. But I, in a weird alternate reality, I would love to see what a Qualcomm vertically integrated Qualcomm phone looks like. You know, every year at these these events, where they show their new Qualcomm chipset. They bring like a reference device, right? Yep. And I was yep. like. That doesn't look that doesn't look half bad. <laughs> it's like a Nexus Five that grew by thirty percent in the Z yeah. axis, and yeah, it's like oh, okay, uh, that's interesting. Uh, listen, and it's never going to happen, but it just goes to show Apple's stranglehold. I think on on the industry right now, and now that's only going to to strengthen. I mean, somebody who doesn't care about an operating system, they want to buy a new phone. Like, how do you tell them to not get a four hundred dollar iPhone, new right. iPhone, right? Unless yeah, they're in like. If they prefer Android, that's really the only reason. If they're agnostic, if they don't care, they just want a good phone at a good price. Yeah. What else do you recommend? And that's the thing. I I feel like Android has an uphill battle again to sort of put its advantages out front. But they are more and more the advantages that we tend to care about as nerds. Or I won't speak for you guys, but I tend to care about as as a nerd Mm -hmm. that normally people don't care about. I start talking about to normal people about the fact that I want to be able to arrange my smartphone home screen the way I want to. And I want to be able to buy hardware that reflects me and my, you know, like not just be locked in. And their eyes are glazed over nine seconds in. They're like, yeah, (laughs) I just I I kind of wanted what it, what it was easier and you know the iPhone works really well I'm like, yeah, okay all right never mind but that you know, argument that, has tricky. always been funny to me and I get it if you're like a hardcore Android user and you love like arranging your home screen the way you, just precisely the way you like it but to mm-hmm. me I've always been like the second that I turn on my phone and unlock yeah. it I'm looking to go into an app I don't spend my time on my home screen. I spend my time in the app. So it's because your home screen doesn't do anything, Andrew. It just sits so, there waiting for you to jump into an app. <laughs> so you, I, mean, so I, you <laughs> I agree. So you do. This is like your frame. This is the reason why he wanted to bring up the frame. He just likes the artwork and just look. He doesn't use it for anything else. Let me go to the home screen and just feel sure. good. <laughs> that's, 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 no, I, especially with something like the fold. What's nice is you open it up and you have, if you have a widget on the screen, it you don't have to do anything. You open it Nothing. up and it's already telling you in, important information. When I'm at a trade show and I can stack two widgets side by side and have my email there all the time next to my calendar, like I don't have to go into an app. That's the beauty of it. I never agree with the statement more. <laughs> I'm just throwing, throwing that out there. <laughs> but Andrew, I take your meaning and I think most people and a lot of it's Google's fault. Because Google has not nurtured the widget ecosystem. In fact, it has straight up ignored it for what feels like a decade. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. I know. Now, let me ask you guys this. If you have more knowledge about this than I do, because I feel like I just have basic knowledge here. But it seems when you compare spec for spec, the flagships that we're seeing, like the top end phones from both the Android side and the iPhone side, there's a lot of parity there feature wise. But sure. these phones are big, so they can fit They can fit these processors in, they can deal with the heat, but it seems that Apple has really started running laps around Qualcomm in the small but powerful chip area. Like I said a little while ago, you can't fit an 865 into a 4.7 inch form factor and have a phone as thin as what we're seeing with the battery life that we're seeing. They still don't have a smartphone chip that can do what the, what is it called? The S series? The S series chip does in the Apple Watch. If Qualcomm were to even launch their own phone, it's almost like what Intel is struggling right now. Apple's going to leave Intel in the computer market because 
Intel is failing where Apple is succeeding. Hmm. So this is, I'm just like put forming a thought here, but do you guys see the same thing? Apple is becoming one of the best chip makers on earth, whether it's watch, phone, or coming soon, computer. (laughs) I do see the same thing, but only when someone as smart as you are points it out to me, because I often forget (laughs) it, right? (laughs) Something in me is resistant to the concept of one company being so good at so many things. I quite like One of the weird things I like about the Android space is that you do have a casing from a manufacturer and then a display from another manufacturer and silicon from another company. And I like the combination of all of those strengths and sometimes weaknesses in one product. When you have everything coming out of the same house, first of all, as Apple has demonstrated, you can make all the money on the planet because it's so much more efficient and you control Mm -hmm. it top to bottom, which is great. But I don't know. I think that results in what we do have from Apple, which is several sizes of the exact same experience, which is exactly what they want. But I mean, who's going to push Apple to the next stage? Who's going to make Apple make a foldable that I want to see when they don't really feel any pressure to do that because they just keep winning so hard? You know, I almost wish they weren't so successful, even though that's like a a sacrilegious thing to say in in this world. It's almost like, do you remember, let's say 15 years ago, Microsoft, even 20 years ago, was hardcore about tablets are the future. Here's our tablets. Here's our next tablet. This Mm -hmm. is the future of computing. And no one was buying these (laughs) PC tablets. And then obviously, as the story goes, Apple says, hey, we just sat back and waited until Mm -hmm. the technology caught up. And now here's our take on the tablet. And there has never been a more successful tablet since then. I feel that it's not that there's pressure to release a foldable just because, hey, everyone else is doing it. We need to do this too. I think Apple, kind of what John said earlier, and this will actually segue into our next topic. Our next topic is the state of foldable smartphones. Apple is not going to be a part of that, what John said earlier, the two, three year, four years of releasing products until we kind of get better and better. And now the fifth generation, here's something that's actually good and great for everyone. Apple is going to wait till that fifth year and say, here's something for everyone. You know, that's going to work in their favor so well because they they will have let everyone else go through all the growing pains of the yeah, creases, right. the weird durability things, the everything that's wrong with these now that we look past because we love them so much. And they're going to come out with something that's going to kill it. It's going to slay. I mean, this is what Apple does. What do you want to see in – answer this question in two ways, both of you guys. What do you want to see in just the ideal foldable? What do you hope – where are you hoping we get to? And then also same question but – How do you see Apple foldables being different than the Android counterpart? I will. uh, I will take John's (laughs) proffered hand. I'm I'm let the guests take uh, take first crack at that. Thank you. That's a hard one, Andrew. What I like about the first question is that I can't effectively answer it right now because the my initial instinct is to say when you ask me what do I think the ideal foldable like end game is. I just played with the Huawei Mate XS for a few days, and from a hardware perspective, to leave all the software stuff on the table, just let's let's put it out there. We all understand that Huawei phones and Google phone Google software don't get along right now. It's very annoying. It's stupid. You shouldn't buy one. But that hardware is absolutely stunning. And unlike the Galaxy Fold, you use it one-handed while it's closed. It's a full-size giant smartphone. Then you open it up, and it's a tablet that's utterly gorgeous, and it's built wonderfully. The problem is the reason everyone else isn't building that design is because it is also inherently vulnerable. You can't put a soft screen like that on the outside of a phone and not have it scratch all to pieces. Mine is already scratched. So I want to see that 
some form of that once we have the material engineering mastership to avoid a display that's just destroyed in, in a week. But at the same time, I love that it's a wild west of experimentation right now because no one's figured out the real thing. And I think there are going to be multiple types of foldables. There are going to be clamshells for people who want, as John said two weeks ago, you know, the, the purse phone, the pocket phone that just turns into a normal one. There are going to be foldable mm -hmm. tablets. There are going to be Westworld ones that fold three times and TCL <laughs> ones that scrolled, you know, like a pirate's map. And That was cool. I, it wasn't it? I mean, yes. the, the, all this experimentation is just catnip for someone whose favorite period in mobile was 2004 when Nokia was kicking out a weirdo design every two <laughs> weeks, it seemed like. And they just didn't even look like phones. They were like alien devices. Right. It's great to see that kind of experimentation again. I'll have to think about it in order to answer the Apple question, but I'll let John talk for a minute yeah. while I do. Okay. I mean, so for me, I mean, I think it's easy for us to think one generation ahead, you know, to speculate on the full two. Right. But I... I don't think we know what technology is. I mean, I think it's like, you know, the Henry Ford quote. I think we don't know what we don't know. I think we're just going to ask for a faster horse. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe no crease and no notch in the camera and right. a bigger screen on the outside because that's all we know. Right. Like, I'm excited by what we don't know. Mm. Like mm -hmm. all the, the, the like you said, the catnip for people like us. These crazy form factors and rollables and foldables. And I think that's why I'm so excited about the Galaxy Fold. It's something that I didn't even like. I mean, yeah, you could hear the concept of foldables and it opens up to a, another device. But it was implementation with things that I didn't think of. And that's super exciting. So I have no idea what Apple would do. I don't think Apple would just do an iPhone and it opens up into a tablet. Like simple as that. I think there'd be something else to it. And that's cool. And that's interesting. But the speculation part is really fun. Like, uh, where, does this where does this technology go? I almost yeah. think Apple would do exactly that, John, actually. You know, it's Maybe they would. Because think about what they did with the iPad. Like, if you asked me in yeah. 2009 what's Apple going to do with their tablet, I guarantee you I probably said to someone back then, well, they're not going to. They're not just going to release a blown up iPhone. Well, that would be stupid. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did, right? And and then we made fun of it, or at least I did. I made fun of it from afar yeah. and thought it was the dumbest thing ever and it was going to be a flop. And I went into a store intending to make fun of it. And then I left that store with the iPad because I loved it the minute I touched it. Yeah. Now, why was that? What was it that changed your mind from going into going out? It's the same thing that makes foldables so great. When you use them, it, only by using them, only by putting your hands on them, can you fully understand the ex the different experience that they are providing. For the iPad, for me, it was just, I think it was just opening up a browser in the Apple store and just kind mm -hmm. of uh, doing the Steve Jobs thing from on, on stage of, of reading a newspaper, going through, I probably went to what, Engadget at the time. And yeah. I just scrolled through it and was like, I could lay in bed and do this. And then I could read books and I wouldn't have <laughs> to buy another, or a, I don't think a Kindle was out yet. I wouldn't have to buy an e-reader from Sony. I could have this, you know, you know what I mean? It, it's, right. but until that point you were like, oh, it's just a big iPhone. I haven't touched it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I've been not as excited about foldables as you guys. I've gathered <laughs> currently, currently. So, so, so you've just been wrong. Here's my, here's my, here's my take. Okay. I like tablets. I like phones. I feel that the main benefit currently, especially to the foldable phone. So I'm not talking about the fold here because that's a foldable tablet, the foldable phones, the Z flip, the razor, the only thing you're paying for is the 0 0.72 seconds that you are folding or unfolding the device. The second it is unfolded, it is a subpar 
phone in comparison to a non-folding, let's just say, S20. So the Z Flip, Z Flip, the second you unfold it and you're done unfolding it and you're ready to actually use the phone, it is a subpar experience when compared to the Galaxy S20 at a higher price point. Uh, and then you fold it again and now you folded it to put it away so you're not even using it. you're just putting it away now because it's closed so when you have it open i don't see the benefit why would i pay one thousand three hundred and eighty dollars just for what i see as the only benefit is i can unfold it that's it it doesn't give me any more benefit than that don't tell me that you are taking selfies with that external oled display <laughs> The Z Flip has an external display. I didn't even notice it. <laughs> yeah. it, it are you are you being facetious? <laughs> A little. <laughs> so, what is the utility you're getting other than other than it's cool? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue the case for the Z Flip. My Z Flip is listed on Swapper right now. Ooh, I will. Um, uh, ooh, okay. So for me, okay. While I can see why people would get it and why they would buy it, its lack of sort of outer display. I understand the argument. I might disagree with it, but I understand at least your argument that you're making. Where I fundamentally disagree with that is when it comes to the Galaxy Fold. But I did say I'm not counting the Fold when I said that, when I made that statement. Okay. Uh, Yeah, they're different beasts entirely. Different beasts entirely. I think what people pay for and what people are interested in is the whole breadth of technology. If you're interested in an S20 or an S20 Ultra, it's because you care about screen speed and cameras. I think for the most part, right? And you're willing to pay the price tag for that. Those are the features that are important to you. People are spending $1,400 for a Galaxy Z Flip. Their important feature sets are very different than what's important to you. Mm -hmm. And for them, the pocketability is important. The novelty of that 0.7 seconds flipping it open and folding it again and the feeling of hanging up a phone call by closing it is important to them. (laughs) And that's offering different things, not necessarily better, but different than what you get on an S20 or, or an iPhone. It's different experiences. And the beauty of Android is that people have choice. And people can choose to make that sacrifice to have the Z Flip. And they can choose if that outer screen matters or doesn't matter. But maybe hanging up a phone call by folding it is, is an amazing enough experience. Maybe just being a part of the technology that has a foldable phone is enough of an experience. My rebuttal is a is a two part one, John. That was very well argued and more eloquently than I will do. But I, I will say this: my first part of the answer is Andrew. You're entirely right. I don't think almost anyone should pay fourteen hundred dollars for almost any phone right now. And mm-hmm. if you're gonna pay that much, you better be damn sure that you want what you're getting. But for me, it's not the matter of spending three quarters of a second to make the phone worth its entire existence. That three quarters of a second is dividing the phone between a state in which it does the most good in a pocket, which is closed and taking up very little space, mm-hmm. and open, which is it's just like any other phone. Yeah, the display refresh rate is not as high and the camera's not quite as good, but it's still a fantastic phone when it's open. I do not notice many of its drawbacks, if any, under normal use. The Z Flip being my weekend phone, you understand. Yes. It's where I summer. Um, but it's, <laughs> I enjoy it so much that as fun as it is to move back into the Galaxy Fold on a Monday morning, there is a little bit of sadness, not just because I'm giving up the weekend, but because that there is something about having that clamshell form factor back. And John, you're right. It is much of it is novelty and much of it is nostalgia, but it is also this ineffable benefit that I'm so glad Android gives us the choice to, yeah. part- to experience. Now, on the Apple front, this is where... 
I am excited. And this is going to be a weird answer, but I feel my assumption is that Apple will get the hinge right. Apple will get the ability to fold. Here's what I envision. I don't know if this is possible. So this is just me dreaming. You have an iPad as is today with the glass display. And somehow that glass display is cut in half. And only when you open it, the two sides meet. So the glass isn't folding. It's actually cut. And when you unfold it, the hinge puts it together. There's no crease and there's no plastic and there's no fingerprint, fingernail digging into the display. It's still glass. Mm -hmm. That's a device I imagine. And that's a device I see Apple doing because of now, Steve, I I keep thinking of Steve Jobs here, who is no longer with us. But I I envision Steve Jobs presenting this hinge on stage. (laughs) Look at what we've done with the folding device. Because I think that's really the key. You need to get, for foldables to become mainstream, you need a hinge that is reliable for years. Not days, not weeks, not months, years. Reliable in folding and unfolding and reliable in not allowing debris into the chassis of the phone. And until that happens, foldables are gonna be on the fringe of devices. I think that's true. And I think we've seen some pretty rapid development of that hinge tech even over the past year with Samsung iterating for the Z Flip to make its hinge a little better than the Fold. I will ask John what his Fold, how his Fold is holding up hinge-wise because mine is is doing well. But Andrew, to your point, that's certainly not a perfect science. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I do have an annoyance or two after five months. So (laughs) I think you can definitely feel a difference between a a new Galaxy Fold Mm -hmm. and a a Galaxy Fold that is a a month or so old. Mm -hmm. But it still works and functionally it's still the same as it was when I got it. And I think that's what's mattered. Andrew's point about Apple, perhaps. Perhaps when when you said that, I'm just envisioning all the stress test videos that are going to come from that. (laughs) And, you know, the, the, the horribleness that will ensue. But being able to have a tablet in a phone form factor in your pocket is awesome. So the more companies that do that and the more companies that innovate and give us new ways to do that, awesome. Welcome to the marketplace. Welcome to competing for customer dollars. And that Apple device you just mentioned, I'm sure will have like a $7,000 price tag uh, associated (laughs) with it. And people can decide, you know, where they stand on it. Yes. But I know that when I'm sitting in my car or I'm sitting at home and I can just take out my phone, open it up and have essentially a tablet in my hand. Yeah. The magic hasn't worn off. Same. What just last night I was laying in bed having fallen into bed exhausted with my fold and I was just doing Twitter or something, but then I busted it open and before I knew it I was reading a book, I was browsing the web and I was like, I have a I have a twelve point nine inch iPad within arm's reach, but I don't need to mm-hmm. go get it because this is great. It's like I felt with the note two, my first Galaxy Note. I'm like, wow, a screen this yeah, big, why do I need a tablet? It's amazing. When when I was doing the test yesterday and I had to put in my credit card information, I use privacy dot com to put in temporary credit mm-hmm. cards for everything because I don't like anybody with my credit card. Hmm. And I just dual screened it or uh, multitasked it. I had one on each side. I got my credit card information, copied it over. I didn't have to go multi-window. I didn't have to swipe up and then swipe back and then swipe down and swipe back again. Yeah. That's awesome. And if Apple can bring that experience like they can with the iPad to a phone, amazing. Hey, John. Um, but the fact that they can do that now, that magic. And there's, I'm sure you guys can attest, like we see a lot of stuff. Like it takes a lot to impress us. Yes. Like a lot to impress us. And I am still incredibly impressed with the Fold. Like I, it, the luster has not worn off. John, I want to take a quick segue. Our final topic is going to be the Galaxy Fold 2 and the rumors thereof. But not sponsored, but you mentioned privacy.com. 
And I've actually, if they want to sponsor, uh, hey, we are, we are if you're out there, we're ready and able and willing, but it's something that you see a lot on YouTube as a sponsor. I've personally never used it, but I know I should give it a try. And for anyone out there who hasn't used it, it seems like something that we should not just gloss over. Could you just talk about that service yeah. for a moment? Yeah. I mean, and again, this is going to sound like a sponsor and this is, this is not a sponsor, but as a business owner, it's somebody who's. Folks who work with me have their own credit cards. We've had a lot of charges that have come up where like no one's like, I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. where that came from. And make a lot of purchases online. So privacy, essentially what it does, there's an app and a web portal. They create virtual credit cards that just link your bank account. And you could put a limit on it. You could be a one-time use. You could have it just be a regular credit card that you can use all the time. And it's been awesome to have for subscription stuff. If I just want to try something for a month during a trial. I don't want to get billed. Sometimes it's impossible to cancel those subscriptions. Yeah. I just do a one-time credit card. They authorize show that a card works and then they try to charge it again and it don't work anymore. If I'm filling it, buying something online for a website that maybe I don't know or don't trust, I just create a one-time use privacy card. It takes like four seconds and I don't have to worry about it at all. And I used a free account. This literally cost me nothing. Wow. I think you have a $5,000 limit per day with the free one, but I mean, wow. I'm, not, I'm generally not spending more than $5,000 per day. It's awesome. The apps are easy to use. I okay. can give I can give people who work with me like, hey, here's a credit card to go buy this. I don't have to worry about them losing a credit card right. or fraudulent charges. It's just it's been really nice. So you uh, attach I, the uh, virtual credit card number to a bank account. That's how privacy and then you, it'll set pull it from the so bank you link account. it to a bank account. If I were to charge what are three hundred bucks, then my bank account would show privacy.com negative three hundred dollars. Okay. Okay. So this sounds great. It's probably not for me because I love use I'm all about the credit card points and hacking. Same. My way to free vacations. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty heavy with that too. In all fairness, I, okay. I do that as well. But there are like little things that no, I, just, I don't. This makes want. sense like, for those who yeah. don't use credit cards, especially or who don't want to. This sounds like a great way to protect your debit card, especially because the debit cards don't offer the same protections as your credit card does. And if someone gets a hold of yeah, your debit right. card number and abuses it, your money's pretty much gone. So cool. So that's privacy.com. If you want to check it out, let's move on to the final topic of the day. I know you guys are very excited about this one, and I actually don't know much about this. And I want to make clear, I am not a hater of foldables. (laughs) I see them the way that I saw those early Microsoft tablets. It was like, it's just not ready yet. I know it's going to be something someday, but it's not, it's just not there yet. That's all. That's all I'm saying. That being said, where is Samsung taking the Galaxy Fold, at least according to the rumor mill? I have been, I know, know, John, I think we're both looking up the latest on this, but I've been a little underwhelmed by the rumors I've been seeing on Fold 2. Then again, in some ways, they're giving us most of what we've asked for. I think the biggest complaint about Fold 1 has been this tiny outside display. We're seeing Mm. rumors that that they are going to find a way to increase that size. This is going to be a polarizing one. We're also seeing rumors that this notch, this much, it's been the subject of much derision and I think unfair, unfair derision, because I like a phone that looks like a uh, manila file folder when it's open. <laughs> the notch is going to be replaced by a much uglier hole punch is what we're hearing, which uh, mm. I can't get behind that. I don't like a hole in a screen. Refresh me, John. We're looking at two models maybe, right? There's a budget one and a high-end one. Yeah. So what I've heard is Samsung was trying to make the Fold their first device that had the camera under the display, under the main display. Mm-hmm. That was sort of the initial launch plan. Mm-hmm. And because of like refresh rates and the light that would come through, they couldn't do it. So opting for a hole punch, I've heard rumors of, of only one device, but at a lower price point, 
the fold comes with 512 gigabytes of storage. The current rumor, I think, drops that 256 mm. and also drops the price, which I would be fine with. I have that. 256 is generally fine for me. I, I know I know Michael mm. probably disagrees on that one. Yeah, I shoot um, a lot of 4K video. <laughs> you know? But at least have that, you know, SD card support. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, that would be a nice compromise, yeah. right? But it would soak up more space. Why are we not leading with the most important thing? The most crucial rumor. They're going to bring back blue and green, dude. They're going to bring what? back our color options. That, that were, green. That was, oh, was, it, was that it the Martian, alien? Martian, was the alien green. green? Martian green. Martian green. Martian green. Oh. That was amazing. Oh. Oh. That was, Dude, was your first, first was your pre-recall device Martian green? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I yeah. asked oh, for it specifically. I, it. I wanted it so bad. And then I got it and I was like, hmm, well, I like that Martian green, but they made a gold hinge and I think that's a little gaudy. So I think next time I get a fold, I, I want a blue and gold one. I want the purple blue, you know? So, oh, and then when they re-released it and they didn't have the color options, I was, I was no. so ruined. Oh. We didn't know how good we had it. True. <laughs> I don't think Samsung has to do that much. So make the screen the same technology as a Z Flip with that really thin glass. Yeah. I think the device. folded screen should be a little bit larger to accommodate the aspect ratio of the larger outside screen. 865, the the optics of the S20 Plus Ooh. is the current rumor. Yeah, that would so be that great. So same, that same camera setup. And the 865, not just for processor, but what it can do for video, I think is really important. And also stills, you know, you've got that, that tweaking. I haven't taken many photos since the Android 10 upgrade on the Fold 1, but I took yeah. uh, some side-by-sides the other day of, of a sunset. And the Fold's impression of a sunset is like a, is like a painter who took a little bit of acid and was having a really yeah. good day. You know, just everything's a little too colorful. Yeah, and the camera system I don't think is great on the Fold. So <laughs> an improvement there... I think would be pretty pretty helpful. I think is that's it okay all... for people to use the fold for photography? Because there's the whole thing where people make fun of iPad users for using their cameras. But they always did that because tablet cameras were always inferior, right? And right, it, yes, yeah. It, it, like well, not anymore. Yeah. iPad Pro, people are like, "Hey, why are they putting these great cameras on this tablet? This is terrible." Yeah, somehow, somehow that's just still seems wrong. I think maybe it's just a long <laughs> habit of just judging the hell out of those people. But usually because that person was right in front of me at a concert. And I'm like, what are you yeah, even yeah. doing? <laughs> Holding it up. Yeah. Yes, yes. I think very acceptable because it's a phone. Yes. First, and you get the beauty of a not gaudy and not ostentatious and not view blocking, but a larger, larger viewfinder. Yeah. Which is nice. So those are the rumors with the fold too. And that's the, and, you know, the improved hinge with those little bristles in there is the extent of, of what I would be looking for that what I would probably happily drop the thousands that this will inevitably cost. Does this feel I, I like, uh, to use an Apple term, like a Galaxy Fold 1S versus a 2? I don't think that the changes are drastic enough, I think, for me, at least. I think there was so much distraction inherent in the Fold launch with the recall and the redesign and the thing. Yeah. And it's like any sequel will in inevitably pick up like five different narratives and whatever you want to call it. Like, it, yeah, some people yeah. will consider it too iterative to have the two. But I mean, I don't know. The, the In some ways, the one that we have now, the Galaxy Fold feels like a Fold Zero, you know, mm. that's it, yeah. not to be pejorative about it, but it's like it feels like a it feels like a prototype. I think we've said it in our that reviews. Makes you know? That makes sense. Yeah. And so now they're going to have something that's a little more polished yeah bringing that sense of of confidence and maturity that the z flip brought to the scene i think one of the reasons a lot of us love that z flip so much is because it's like the fold in a different factor but done right done in a way that's like confident and that doesn't feel like quite as much of a lab experiment yeah i think that's eloquently said and that's all i need that's all i'm asking for even at the very least make me give it a better outer screen i would still probably buy it oh is there a rumor for a, a, are they doing a below uh display fingerprint reader or is it going to be side mounted again so there had been talks of in-screen for both 
I hope not. Or on the outer display and the inner display. Yeah. My inclination would be that it'll still probably be side mounted just for a cost standpoint. I would really hope so because the those under display ones that they're using are not good on the no, other phones. No, I, I agree very much with that. So Perfect. Hey, there you have it. That is our show this week. Woo! Thank you again to Michael Fisher for joining. Let people know once again where they can find you in case they miss it up front. Absolutely. Online. Yeah, I, I talk about all things foldable and some things otherwise at uh, the Mr. Mobile, T-H-E-M-R-M-O-B-I-L-E, mostly on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter. And guys, thank you. I really love talking to you, and I'm really glad we finally got to do it in front of other people virtually. Yes, absolutely. Same. And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com slash gear live. And John is at youtube.com slash John for Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. Just search Geared Up, that's two words, not one, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at GearLive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.